You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on this Thursday. In our ongoing look at university endowments, Jim Dunn, CEO at uh, Verger Capital Management based in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, is back with us. Jim oversees $1.5 billion for nonprofits. That includes Wake Forest University's endowment. It was one of the few schools, by the way, to have a positive return in fiscal year 2016. And we know that because it was brought to our attention by our own Janet Lauren. She's higher education reporter here at Bloomberg News. Uh, Janet, in our Bloomberg 113. Studio in New York, and as I mentioned, Jim is uh, on the phone from Winston Salem, North Carolina. Uh, great to have you uh, both with us, um, Jim. Talk to us a little bit about the environment right now and what you're seeing in terms of uh, trends for endowments. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uncertainty right now, and I think a lot of it has to do both with uh, President Trump and you know immigration, tax reform, infrastructure, trade deals, regulation. Um, the, you know the the real challenge for endowments in this environment is you have to have a long-term view and you have to navigate some of this uncertainty. So I think um, what we're looking at right now is that we've had equity markets have really rallied across the globe, and it's at a point now where we have to think about protecting the endowment. Our, our, our resolve is protect, perform, provide. We can't have a 30% decline because it affects students, it affects faculty, it affects the university in such dramatic fashion that you really need to protect in this environment. So a lot of folks are trying to focus on how do you do that here. So you're wrapping up your fiscal year in a couple of weeks uh, on June 30th. Uh, how, how, what's the outlook for the, the fiscal year? I think you're going to see for most schools, including Wake Forest and some of our clients, you know, um, high single digits um, in the, between 8 and 12% returns for the year. And a lot will have to do with what happens in June. A lot of endowments are holding their breath to see the markets do well here, go sideways. But you're going to see a return to that 10% return environment that they haven't seen in a while. I think it's going to be short-lived. Where interest rates are, it's going to be really hard to have that going forward. But this year, given multiple expansion in equities, you're going to see some good numbers from a lot of schools across the country. So what do you do to protect portfolios? So do you start to expose yourself uh, to short equities? Are you looking at different types of investments that might hold on to things? Because presumably yeah, you're already pretty low on the risk scale. Yeah, I think you, you, right now a lot of people like us are trying to trade out of U.S. equities into um, equities that are maybe less uh, overvalued. So looking at Europe, looking at uh, developed countries, looking at emerging markets and frontier markets. But a lot of us are also trying to find ways to hedge. So you know, we are writing options as protection to offset some of this volatility. If we do get it, we can take advantage of that, that drawdown. More, I'm having dry powder. More so than usual in terms of protecting yourself at this point, Jim? Absolutely. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of folks trying to find ways to write some insurance, take some money off the table, and um, you know, really try to focus on the longer-term view and really immunize our portfolio to a certain degree after having this great year, after having sort of three years of mediocre to, to negative returns. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit about governance. Um, how, do you, uh, how do you look at the long-term when you have... Um people on your investment committee that are on for much shorter terms than your time horizon. Can you put that into perspective for us? Yeah, I mean, running an endowment is very contextual. It depends on the nature of the institution, it's the history, it's ambitions, it's financial resources, social context. We're not all Yale. So if you look at really good endowments, one thing you can point to is they usually have good boards, good governance. Um, they have long-standing leadership. Um, you look at Harvard and Yale. Harvard's had, what, five CIOs in the last 10 years, Yale's had one. For, for 30 um, years, same one. For 30 years. Notre Dame has had the same investment committee chair for 25 years. Scott Malpass has been there forever, and they're a great endowment. 
some of the bigger endowments that have a lot of turnover, both from a committee perspective as well as a staff perspective, have not done as well. There's definitely organizational alpha mm. from having good governance. Very interesting. Uh, as, as you start to look across um, where you distribute your funds, I mean, how is that environment? Because, the, you know, the collapse in commissions has meant that the investment community has changed in so many ways. And, but also uh, in terms of the fund of fund business has kind of gone away. And I wonder what you're doing in terms of trying to find people to invest with. So the one thing that we have as an endowment and the biggest advantage we have is time. So we can be provider of liquidity. So doing um, direct lending uh, strategies. Um, getting involved in credit perspectives. I think that's one of the things we can do. Um, agriculture, farming, grains, um, commodities. One thing we can do is we can handle volatility. We can have a long-term horizon. I think the challenge for a university is everything you do is measured in perpetuity. And that's an extraordinary concept of what you do. Every every policy, every building you do, every investment you make. So things like climate change. You know, It's, it's a big uh, factor on university campuses. Really, money they made there. So, how do you? How does an endowment invest in climate change and really invest in the lives of students at the same time make money? And there are ways to do that. And endowments have, have been on the leading edge of that. They can do a lot more, but biomass, solar, wind, venture capital—you're seeing a lot more of that from endowments these days. And how does agriculture fit into all that? Well, I mean, I think if you think about it from a standpoint of demographics and climate change, you think about. Um, you know, Africa, Nigeria is growing at a rate where you know every mother has four children. Um, in a hundred, in the end of the century, that country will be have a have a, a billion people. It's got two hundred million people now, and it's the size of Texas. So, how do you feed all those people? And there's a lot of innovation going into um, agriculture, whether it's uh, GPS crops, um, investment in different kind of seed mutations, genetic in, uh, improvements in fishing. So there's a lot of things we can do from a long data perspective that can we can invest in those things and have a long view, but also try to make some money in those those opportunities as we see opportunities across the globe in, in that kind of of investment. And one of the cool things about universities, a lot of that research is happening on university campuses. So we so get a first look at it. Quick question. So that so that does not mean um, investing in agricultural lands like timberland like Harvard and Yale had, had done, you know, decades ago. Just got about twenty seconds, Jim. Yeah, less of that these days. I think you're seeing some of that stuff. Um, we invested in almonds, for example. We're investing in uh, soybeans. But you're seeing less of that from uh, large universities just because timber is such a, a difficult investment. And you're seeing less building. You're seeing other things slow down. And a lot of it has to do with China, too. The slowdown of China um, is affecting everything from concrete to wood. And my mistake, we still have a little bit more time. How do you, how do you approach technology, though, uh, with things like virtual reality, artificial intelligence? I mean, you guys are you know, obviously looking for returns. You're looking for longer-term uh, ideas. How do you approach technology, Jim? Yeah, I think we, we are invested in venture capital in a pretty big way at, at Verger. And I think when we look at it from a standpoint of you think about the companies like Google and Uber, and these were all funded by venture capitalists. And most of those venture capitalists are funded by endowments, university endowments. So we like to get into that spot where we can look at tech transfer and, and try to get involved in those technology issues. But you think about technology at a high level, we try to think of a second nature thing. So think about you know self-driving cars, for example. How will that impact garages? How will that impact um, municipal bonds that pay for roads if you have less cars on the road? How does it impact the insurance industry? So the technology has a lot of different opportunities for us to invest in different trends across different opportunity sets. 
And how do you how do you get into those venture capital funds? I know often uh, you know very few endowments can get into the type of funds that say Yale has that has has had so many consistent winners over the years. Yeah, it's the, it's the most difficult part. Um, getting into the funds, trying to find those funds that are small that um, are going to be the ones that are really focused on um, being nimble and, and finding these new companies. Um, we have a great guy on our staff that does a great job of, of building those relationships over time. It could take ten years to get into a fund. We wow. do it. We do it in a pretty big fashion, and that's a really important part of our edge. And I think it's one of the things that Yale's done really, really well is, is take advantage of those opportunities. And at MIT and Stanford and other large endowments that have these alums that they can tap into that are at these firms have a huge edge over other schools that don't. Well, Mile Fund, Fund, Yale came by every four months for about three or four years before they gave us a dime. So yeah, I, I can speak to that firsthand. Hey, Jim, nice to get some time with you. Um, we appreciate uh, your time on this Thursday. Jim Dunn, Chief Executive Officer of Verger Capital Management, uh, on the phone from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He oversees about $1.5 billion for nonprofits, and that includes Wake Forest University's endowments, which, which we mentioned uh, was one of the few schools to have a positive return in fiscal year 2016. Janet Lauren, thank you so much. She keeps us up to speed on what's going on in the world of university endowments uh, and the like. So thank you.